Folks, if I can have your attention, I'm going to get started here in just a second. Um, again, Keith and Jesse and some of the others are not with us today. So uh, let me just say a quick word of prayer over the message today, and then I'll get started. Now, Father, this is your story that we're going to talk about today. So we ask that your truths will come forth and highlight in our hearts and our minds what we need to hear from you today. We thank you for your story. And we ask you again to bless it in Jesus name. Amen. Uh, today, I want to talk about one of the most significant stories in the Old Testament. It's located at the end of the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Now, there's a lot of there's a lot of people and a lot of stories in Genesis, but about 25% of the book tells the story of our main focus today, the story of a man named Joseph. The story is long and it has a lot of details, some of which I won't highlight today, but we will focus on some of the important lessons this story has to offer. So let me just set the stage for our story by briefly mentioning the main characters of the story or persons. Like I said, there's Joseph, there's his father, Jacob, there's his 11 brothers, and there are political leaders and their servants. So I want you to listen carefully for, the, for those four persons or groups of people. So the setting is this, back in time about 3,500 or 4,000 years ago, a man named Jacob had 12 sons. His favorite son, by his own choosing, was Joseph, who in the beginning of our story is 17 years old. Now, Joseph had 10 older half-brothers and one full younger brother named Benjamin. The family business was that of owning and caring for livestock. So together, the 12 sons took care of their father, Jacob's flocks of animals. So in other words, they were shepherds. Sometimes Joseph would give his father a report card, so to speak, on his brother's activities while tending the flocks. And sometimes those reports were not very positive. We might, we might suggest that at times it you could say that Joseph was somewhat of a, a tattletale of sorts. I don't know if that was in his heart, but that's kind of the way his brothers saw him. So Joseph, even at age 17, the young age of 17, he began to have dreams. And God gave him the ability to interpret those dreams. On two separate occasions, Joseph told his brothers that he had a dream. And the basic interpretation of those two dreams was that someday in the future, Joseph would have some type of authoritative position over his brothers. So as you might can imagine, this did not go over very well with his brothers. Imagine yourself having a younger brother or sister telling you that one day they would be your boss in some way or another. So as the story goes, Joseph's brothers become so ticked off toward Joseph, they want him dead. So much that they devise a scheme to kill him while they were out in the fields working. 
Fortunately, for Joseph and everyone else for that matter, one of his brothers persuaded the others to spare Joseph's life rather than kill him. So they sold him off to some slave traders passing through the area where they were working. That's what happened. They sold him into slavery. And to cover up their actions, Joseph's brothers went back to their father, Jacob, and told him that Joseph was dead. They provided falsified evidence of Joseph being killed by a wild animal. And as you can imagine, Jacob the father was devastated at the death of his favored son. Next, Joseph was sold again to a high-ranking Egyptian government official named Potiphar. But the Bible tells us that God's presence was with Joseph in such a way that Potiphar, his new boss, became so impressed with Joseph's organizational and administrative abilities in his work that he promoted Joseph to be his close personal assistant. Potiphar entrusted all of his business and many personal responsibilities over to Joseph, and it became apparent to Potiphar that pretty much that everything Joseph was put in charge of was highly successful and turned to gold. All because God had his hand on Joseph. In fact, the Bible tells us that the only thing Potiphar concerned himself with was the decision of what he was going to eat every day. Not that he was going to eat, but what he was going to eat. Because Potiphar, being a high-ranking government official, had all kinds of foods to choose from. But the only thing he had to concern himself with was what to eat. So just as things were really looking up for Joseph and all was going well in his new location, Joseph suffered another misfortune. Joseph's boss, Potiphar, his wife, she made persistent sexual advances toward Joseph, which he resisted over and over again. This made her so mad toward Joseph that she falsely accused him of making sexual advances toward her. So she lied to her husband, Joseph's boss, Potiphar, who became furious and consequently threw Joseph into jail, into prison. But Joseph, despite another big life blow, kept his faith. The Bible tells us again that God's presence was with Joseph and once again, Joseph was given responsibilities while in prison. The warden of the prison put Joseph in charge of everything. And the prison and prisoners were blessed because of God's hand on Joseph. Now who here remembers the special ability skill that God gave Joseph when he was 17? He interpreted dreams. So while in prison, Joseph interprets the dream of a high-ranking official who answered to the king of Egypt. Joseph tells the government official that he will be released from jail in three days. And he kindly asks the official to let the king know of Joseph's misfortunes and, and unfair imprisonment. 
So anybody want to guess how long it took for the government official to tell the king about Joseph? Anybody? Two years. Two more years, Joseph was unjustly imprisoned because some high-ranking official had a memory lapse. So let's recap what's happened here. Joseph, at age 17, was sold by his family to slave traders who then sold him to be the slave of a government official. Has anyone here been rejected by family or someone else really close to you? For Joseph, that was life blow number one. Life blow number two, he's thrown into prison because he was falsely accused of sexual misconduct. Anybody here been accused of anything falsely and suffered some horrible consequences as a result of it? Anybody? Life blow number three, Joseph suffered two more years in prison because some guy has a bad memory. And I would even say an ungrateful memory. Anybody here had some serious life challenges? Anybody here in some circumstances that you never dreamed of? So let's continue the story. Finally, the government official whose dream Joseph interpreted while in prison remembered Joseph when the king had a dream that needed interpretation. It's always amazing how fast things happen when politicians and government officials need something, isn't it? It's kind of amazing, isn't it? So Joseph interprets the dream of the king, also known as the Pharaoh of Egypt. And here is the basic interpretation of the dream. Joseph, with God's help, of course, tells the king that the country of Egypt and the surrounding countries will experience seven years of prosperity and abundance, but that will be followed up by seven horrible years of famine, drought, poverty. Joseph tells the Pharaoh that the country will need a smart and discerning man to organize and administer the supply of food and other goods during the seven good years so that they will be able to survive the seven years of drought and famine. So guess who the Pharaoh chose to lead the country of Egypt? Who else? Joseph, of course. So not only does Joseph get out of prison, he's put in charge of saving the lives of many people. Not only the people of Egypt, but of neighboring countries as well. The Pharaoh, as, as a means of gratitude, also gives Joseph his daughter to be his wife. Together they have two kids. And once again, Joseph has overcome huge life obstacles and put in charge of basically the world's food supply. So by this time, it's been about 20 years since Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. The famine has been going on for a few years now, and Joseph's family, back in the land called Canaan, where he was from, start to feel the effects of the famine. Jacob, you remember him, that's Joseph's dad, tells his sons to travel to Egypt to buy some food during the famine. So guess who shows up asking Joseph for food? 
10 of his brothers. But so much time has passed, and Joseph speaks another language, looks different, that his brothers do not recognize him. But Joseph recognized them. So Joseph puts his brothers through a series of tests to see what kind of men they have become over the last 20 years or so. He basically tells them that they're good, that they're spies, and he throws them in jail for three days. He lets them out, and then he tells them to go back home with the food they came for and bring back the only full-blooded brother of Joseph, Benjamin, who didn't make the trip for food because dad basically didn't want him to go and held him back in the land of Canaan. So Joseph keeps one brother back in Egypt while the other nine go back to Egypt. Now, unbeknownst to the brothers, not only did Joseph send food back with the brothers, but he secretly put the money that they had brought with them, he put them in their traveling packs. So in other words, it looked like they had stolen back the money they had brought for payment of food. Now, when the brothers returned home and realized this, they became afraid and believed that they were being punished for their past sins against Joseph, whom they believed was probably dead or enslaved. So after some difficult conversations with their father, the brothers returned to Egypt with the youngest brother, Benjamin, and double the money they had brought the first time. They also offered some gifts to Joseph to butter him up a bit and hopefully win some brownie points with him. When they arrive in Egypt, Joseph sees his full brother Benjamin and he actually has to leave the room for a minute to go have a little cry session because his heart was so touched to see Benjamin. So he went off and cried in private. A little while later, all the brothers sat down for a meal together and had a great feast and time of fellowship together. The next test came, Joseph's brothers headed back home a second time with food. Once again, Joseph's servants had placed all the money again in the travel packs of his brothers and in the travel pack of Benjamin, to remember his full brother, a very important silver drinking cup for special occasions. Again, it was secretly hidden in Benjamin's travel pack. Now, after the brothers had traveled only a short way, Joseph sent a messenger to them to check their travel packs. And lo and behold, the silver drinking cup was discovered in Benjamin's pack. And all the brothers were escorted back to see Joseph. Joseph tested them again through some questions about their family. Finally, one of the brothers spoke up and told the family story to Joseph. And while they never admitted to selling their brother Joseph into slavery 20 years ago, it was clear to Joseph that his brothers had become honest men of integrity with at least a clear sense of right and wrong. And after listening to the story of his brothers and their father, Joseph asked his servants to leave the room where they all were. And while alone with his brothers, Joseph broke down 
and wept and revealed to his brothers who he really was. He told them he was their brother who they sold into slavery almost 20 years ago. And as you might imagine, the brothers were in shock. They were astonished as well as terrified. And he said to them, come closer. And he looked them in the eyes and he said, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves for selling me into slavery because God wanted me here ahead of you to deal with this situation of the world family. So let me repeat what Joseph said to his brothers. Do not be distressed or angry with yourselves. Do not be distressed or angry with yourselves. So let me just stop here and ask you a question. Are some of you angry or distressed with yourselves for the ways that you've hurt others? Have you received the full forgiveness of God? Or maybe just as important, have you forgiven someone to the point of looking them in the eyes and saying with love and tenderness, do not be angry or distressed with yourselves for hurting me. God has drawn me closer to him because of what happened. For many of us that have been wronged, a lot of time has passed. God has taught you or is teaching you things about forgiving and being forgiven. Never think that God is not working on people of your past where hurt has been present. Never think that your hurt or mistake is too big for God to bring together for his purposes. So after Joseph's big reveal about himself, his fathers and uh, his father and brothers moved to Egypt to live with them. Jacob, Joseph's father, eventually died there, but had requested he be buried back in his homeland of Canaan. So Joseph and his brothers buried his father and after Jacob was buried, Joseph's brothers were still living with guilt and shame over their sins of the past. They basically threw themselves at the feet of Joseph, telling him that they would be his slaves. And this is what he said to them. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Each and every one of you today has an opportunity to make peace with your past, whether it be as you, the one freely giving mercy to others, or maybe it's just time for you to finally tell yourself that you're not going to be distressed or angry at yourself for ways you have hurt yourself or others. Some of you might be thinking, well, the story of Joseph doesn't really apply to me. Joseph received the favor of God and helped him in any and every situation he was put in. Some of you might be thinking you don't deserve the mercy of God like Joseph's brothers 
received from God as displayed through Joseph. And I would kindly say to you today that you are mistaken if you think that. Joseph spent time in prison because he was falsely accused. Similarly, in the same way, God's son Jesus was falsely accused. He was wrongly put to death by the religious leaders of his own people, the Jews. While Joseph's time in prison was an unjustly set up by the evil decisions and actions of others, there has never been a more unjust punishment for doing nothing wrong than the punishment that Jesus Christ endured. Nonetheless, God uses the horrific sins of others to complete the greatest work of mankind, that is the finished work of Jesus Christ on behalf of a lost and dying world with no hope of forgiveness from God. Joseph's actions saved the lives of many people in the time of severe famine. Jesus Christ's actions saved all of humanity by taking on himself all of the unjust as well as the just punishment of mankind. So just as God's favor rested on Joseph to take horrible circumstances and turn them into good, God's favor rests on anyone here who surrenders to the heart of God to receive complete forgiveness. And even as Jesus was tortured, by crucifixion on a cross by evil religious and political leaders, he told his heavenly father, forgive them because they don't understand what they're doing. Folks, that kind of forgiveness can only come through a caring, compassionate, and loving God. I'm gonna ask you to bow with me now for a word of prayer. Michael Bow is gonna come and just close this out real quick. If you will, just bow your heads. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for everything. We thank you for the word that came forth today, God. God, we thank you for in your word, God. We find that there's forgiveness for us through your son, Jesus Christ. And there's healing. There's uh, <clears throat> a chance to make right everything that's been made wrong through him, God. And we thank you for that today, God. We thank you also that, God, we found out there's purpose in our lives, regardless of what state that we may be in, that you are there and you will lead and guide us through every situation, God, and bring us to a successful end. So, God, we just thank you for it today, and we believe that it is done. We thank you for everyone here. We ask that your healing virtue covers everyone, God, and that you heal every place, broken spot, mend every broken spot, God. Make everyone whole. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.